And so our fourth and final part is peace with ourselves. Peace, meaning the word shalom, which is so much more than the tranquil kind of thoughts that we have. It's fulfillment, it's wholeness, it's harmony, it's security, it's well-being. How many of you would love that this morning? To feel whole, to feel in harmony, to have security, well-being. We desire all those things, but we have this external factors that are happening at the moment. So we've got the crazy work week. We're trying to tie up loose ends before the year's ends. We're trying to move to get this done, to buy this present, to have all this stuff in place. Um, And then on top of that, we've got the internal struggle that we have, the internal world where our emotions are constantly changing. We have some depression, sadness, loneliness, or this feeling of lack of purpose. Some of you in this place, you feel like you've just like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I just feel like I'm going through the motions. What has God got for me? And so this internal peace is a struggle. But maybe for some of you, you're doing really great. Maybe everything is going well. Maybe you're in this season where your family, your relationships, your work, your purpose, everything is aligned and you are doing fantastic. And that is awesome and we love that and we celebrate that. Please speak upwardly about how good things are because we need reminded of the joyful things that are happening. But in the back of your mind, even for those people, it's going great right now. You have this tendency to think, well, when is it going to go wrong? When is it going to fall apart? We almost prepare ourselves with the, with the don't go too far in getting joyous because we're going to fall and it's going to hurt even harder, right? So we've always got this constant moving in and out of peace. We have these moments of pieces and we move out of them. And so I just want to play a quick game with you all. It's have you ever, and we're not playing a drinking game, so it's just have you ever, no drinks, yeah, coffee in hand, Have you ever felt so at peace when you're late for a meeting and you're rushing through traffic to get to an event? Have you ever felt at peace when there's loud noises all around you? So you're at a party, there's just kind of noises going all around you. It's fun, but there's just chaos, different voices shouting, the music's blaring. Maybe you're at home and you've got the kids running around shouting and you're trying to have a conversation with your wife or friend. Do you feel at peace at that moment? When you have back-to-back meetings, or you've got project after project, you've got projects, two projects running at the same time, or if you are a mother trying to get your kids from one place to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, have you ever felt completely at peace? And have you ever felt at peace just watching TV all day, flicking through Netflix series after series, flicking through your social media, seeing all the wonderful news of how good everything is going in the world. Have you ever felt at peace just absorbing entertainment every single second of the day? See, my thing is is that peace has a pace. So peace has a speed. Peace has a pace. Not only is it internal, that it is mental, but... uh, Peace has a physicality as well. That peace has a speed. And so we see more and more in this day and age a term called hurry sickness. Have you heard that term? Hurry sickness? Um, As we've developed through technology that we thought would make our lives even easier, I still love the interviews from the 1960s 
where they would say that we would have more leisure time, that we would be able to do whatever we wanted. We would only be working 20 hours a week for about 30 weeks of the year. And we'd just have too much time that we wouldn't know what to do with ourselves. That was the dream of technology back in the 60s. And here we are today. Do we feel that rest? Are we experiencing more vacation than ever? And so I think it really comes from this term, this messaging that happened in the 1960s that said, do whatever you want. For those who grew up in the 60s, you remember that message, that love and peace? Do whatever you want. Do whatever feels good to you. And so we've taken that message and we've run with it. We've run with it really hard. And now so we have YOLO. You only live once. We have FOMO. Fear of missing out. All these terms are happening because we long to not miss out, to fill our lives with everything. The YOLO expression. Well, so what? I'll just do another thing. You only live once. I'm just going to burn the candle at both ends. And so ever since that message from the 1960s happened, there has been a decline in happiness in America. Ever since that statement was made, there has not been a single year where reports show that happiness has increased. And we have been on a slow decline of what it means to be happy. We have more money than ever. We are better educated than ever. Some would argue maybe not. But there is an opportunity for education on a wider range more than ever. We have more civil rights for equality than ever. But yet happiness is on the decline. This is a quote that impacts, because of this hurry, we experience our spirituality is uh, being destroyed. And Ronald Reidheiser has this wonderful quote, a Catholic theologian. He says, we, for every kind of reason, good, bad, are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. It is not that we have anything against God. Depth and spirit, we would like these. It's just that we are habitually too preoccupied to have any of these show up on our radar screen. We are more busy than bad. We're more distracted than non-spiritual and more interested in the movie theater, sports stadium, shopping mall, the fantasy and life they produce than we are in church. We are pathological busyness. Distraction and restlessness are our major blocks today within our spiritual lives. We have nothing, and I have nothing against any of those entertainments. I love being able to go to the sports stadiums, theaters. I was at the movie theater yesterday watching Star Wars. Anyone seen Star Wars? No one, so I better not say a single thing right now. Um, but we are distracted. We have more uh, at our hands than ever. This, this device, I have the world at my fingertips. And we have this, this term now that where we feel this vibration in our pocket and there was nothing even on our phones now. Because that's a syndrome that is, because it's become so much part of your body now, your body reacts to it. It's actually a part of you now. And so this syndrome is starting to happen because we are so invaded with it. So on top of our desires for distraction, we have an enemy that is against us. The C.S. Lewis in the Screwtape Letters, I love this quote, the senior demon called the devil's realm a kingdom of noise. I'll say that again. 
the kingdom of noise and claims we will make the whole universe a noise in the end. Isn't that amazing that the devil just wants to create noise, wants to create chaos, wants to create hurry in your day-to-day life. See, hurry is the great enemy of your soul. Hurry is the great enemy of your soul. Dallas Willard said this, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. You must ruthlessly eliminate your hurry from your life. He believed that it was the most center problem to the toxicity that we see in our society. Now, for most of you, you'd be like, well, no, we're just bad people, right? The sex industry's gone crazy. You know, war is crazy. Uh, the equalities we have, we don't have them right, and all this kind of stuff. Why would hurry be the result of all of this? But deep down in your soul, there's something true to that statement that if everyone stopped hurrying, if we all started to be more present, more loving, would we argue that this would change everything? That if I didn't get so mad when I'm constantly in a hurry trying to get to event, to event, to event, that maybe something would change within my soul, that I would be able to look deep inside of what is going on inside of me. And so what often what we do is we quote this Philippians 4.8.9 quote, this famous passage, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And so we try to create this peace in our lives mentally. We try to say, well, if I just think positive thoughts, if I just have good vibes around me, if I just do that, then the peace of God will be with me. We've, we've preached sermons on that. And there's truth to that. Be thankful. Have peace. But this final part that we miss out as Christians, especially as charismatic Christians, and this is the part that we're going to be going to, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. It's not enough to have good thoughts. We're talking about practice. As Ivers Allen had in 2002, the phrase, we're talking about practice. We're talking about practice. For those of you who remember that 17 years ago, that quote, yes, we're talking about practice today. Because if Peace is not just mental, but it is physical as well. There is a practice that we need to envelop. That thinking good thoughts is not what's going to bring the peace of God in our lives. We need to physically change the way that we walk, the way that we live. Because we can't expect to move a million miles an hour and to love well. To be in hurry, we cannot love well. We cannot be at peace with one another. Um, Am I loving when I'm trying to rush out the door and trying to get my kids out the door? Is that where I'm most loving in that moment? Get your butts out the door. Why have you not got your shoes on? Where are your shoes? Where's your coat? Is it in the car? Where did you leave it? Why have you taken off your shoes again? We go through this endless drill of just, but am I loving in that moment when I'm trying to get out to an appointment that I know I'm five minutes late to? Am I loving when I'm trying to book my schedule up constantly? Am I at peace when I have that? 
And so the life of Jesus is not just theological. To follow Jesus is not to know just really good thoughts or be a morally good person. That's not the way that Jesus has called us to. If we just know some good thoughts or we just, um, you know, we, we just become, oh, I'm a, I'm a really helpful person. No, the life of following Jesus is an invitation to follow him, to copy the details of his life. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to actually copy the lifestyle of who Jesus is. And so we believe at this church, and a value that we hold is transformation. So we believe we're spirit-led, but we also believe in transformation. We believe that we are transformed by pursuing a close relationship with Jesus to experience healing and continual growth. And so we, we use this phrase in our church, apprenticeship to Jesus. Apprenticeship to Jesus. To be with him, to become like him, and do what he did. That's what Paul was talking about. Whatever you have seen in my life, put into practice the way that I live. That Paul orientated his life around the practices of Jesus. He wasn't just the person that was just trying to think and feel positive things. No, he was actually reorientating his life around that. And so do we find Jesus in a hurry? Do we see Jesus walking around in a hurry trying to get at things? Uh, do we see him slammed back to back, biting? Peter, how could you forget the fish and loaves again? We did this before. Why are you forgetting this? Do we see Jesus backbiting? Do we see Jesus half talking to people while texting someone else, thinking about his next appointment? Do we see him just kind of like half talking to people? No. He is fully present, fully full of peace. And so we cannot have love, joy, or peace in hurry. And so just a couple of passages I just want to look at in the life of Jesus for us to look at. And so in first one, in Mark 1, just a couple of verses here, verse 33, it says, And the whole city gathered together at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases. He cast out many demons, and that and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. So this first chapter of Mark is Jesus's first day in ministry, as it were. He's already cleaning, uh, he's healing people, he's cleaning people of unclean spirits, he is radically transforming lives. In fact, once he's had, he's called his first disciples, he's healed a bunch of people, um, one of uh, Simon and Andrew, James and John, no, Simon's mother, sorry, Simon's mother fell ill, her, the mother-in-law, and he healed her, and so then he's healing everyone through the day. He has had a crazy day. But when Jesus in verse 35 says, and rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to the desolate place. And there he prayed. So Jesus, after a busy slam day of ministering, doing good things, after that day, what would you think that Jesus would be up to? Maybe having a coffee, reading the newspaper, go to the spa, like have one of those kind of chilled days where he just got to watch Netflix kind of all day. Well, I've had a busy day yesterday. I'm just going to veg out. No, Jesus gets into the quiet. He gets into the desolate 
still place. We see that word desolate, the, the word there um, meaning like the, uh, the quiet place, the desert place. We see this word used over and over again and again. And so in Mark 6, the other passage we want to look at quickly, Mark 6 and verse 30. So the disciples have returned to Jesus after being commissioned, sent out. And the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught these amazing miracles they had seen. And Jesus said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure time even to eat. And they went away into the boat to the desolate place by themselves. Notice that. Isn't that amazing? That Jesus, even after a victorious moment where they had all these testimonies, he put the priority even above eating. Can you believe it? Jesus, above eating, He said, I need to get you to the quiet place. I need to get you to that stillness. I need to get you into that place where you can find yourself. This is the priority. In fact, we see it more and more. There are nine times where Jesus is told about the desolate place, about the quiet place. In fact, there are more kind of like intense moments. The ministry, as it progresses and gets busier, there are more moments where it's mentioned about going to the quiet place. More and more, Jesus is saying, get into that quiet place. And so just two practices I wanted to talk about very briefly um, today, uh, very quickly. And so the first one is slow down. Slow down. In our society, we try to have our quiet times. But so often we're in such a hurry that we have whiplash when we come into that moment. Have you ever tried to do that during your day when you just want to take five minutes to be with God, but you're in such a hurry, you're waiting for your soul to catch up with you. You're moving a million miles an hour. It's like, can I just have five minutes by myself? But even in that five minutes, your mind is working overdrive. So we need to put some practices in place where we can slow down, create space for boredom, That word that many of you who are older know that word boredom. For my generation, we don't really know that word too well, especially for some of these young guys. Like to be bored almost, we didn't have, uh, you know, we had to wait for TV shows to come on. Now my kids have Netflix that they just watch when they want, when they want it and just absorb it constantly. And so just even practical how we can slow down. This is really practical. So this week I went for my fingerprint checks at, um, so I'm going for my uh, U.S. citizenship. Um, so I'm going through that program. Yeah. Um, so we're going through that program, and in Pittsburgh, and I drove to Pittsburgh in the slow lane. I drove all the way to Pittsburgh in the slow lane. Anyone to know me? That is radical. I want to get there as quickly as possible because I feel it as a waste of time. I'm wasting in driving to a place, and so I drove in the slow lane. All the way, I I, I allowed some extra time for me to be there. And I turned up to that place smiling, happy, just really present in that place. Another thing that I did this week, we went on a date, me and Rachel did, and we were at Longhorn. And so for me and my type of personality, I just want to get things done. And so once we've had the meal, I'm on to the next thing already. I'm already thinking about the next thing. And so I chose in that moment, you know what? We've paid the bill. We're just going to keep on talking. We're not going to rush. We're just going to talk. And so I started to build some of that stuff. I love uh, Joe has a wonderful little practice he does that 
in between meetings, he tries to take a couple of minutes to decompress, to become present. At the end of his workday, to take 10, 15 minutes before even getting in the car to be present, to slow himself down. I love that. doesn't matter how good he executes it, the thought that he has that in him. I know he does it here and there. We win and lose some days. But the practice is so important for us. Are you even doing that? Are you slowing yourself down? Or are you just constantly trying to get to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing? Will you slow yourself down? Because I guarantee you'll become more present, more loving. And actually, when you get to your quiet place, your secret place, you will become more alive. And so for my generation, this is a really important practice. Second, silence and solitude or the secret place. So silence and solitude has been a very well-known practice. In the charismatic, we would call this the secret place. And so even when we look at Matthew, when we look at Matthew chapter 6, Jesus exemplified, as we've already read, about how to get into the quiet place. Get to be with God. He put that as the most important thing. It said even in Luke 5.16, he would often withdraw to the quiet places. And so how is your secret place today? How is your quiet times with God? This is no condemnation, but I can guarantee the way that you feel in life, if you have no peace... Most of the time it can be because we've let this place slip. We've let this place go by the wayside because our secret place has been taken over by the hurry that we experience. And so I find this wonderful uh, moment in Matthew 6 when he's on the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is teaching the disciples and he says this in verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues in street corners and be seen by others. Truly I say to you, you have received your reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So there's such, I believe, a revival that we need in America for the secret place. If we are to see transformation of lives, we need to simplify our lives. We need to slow down. We need to bring about the Sabbath rest again. We need to learn to rest. That is the great, um, as it were, like almost terrorist action towards culture, right? If we want to be advocates of changing this culture to change America, be someone who slows down. That is so countercultural to you guys. Like, you guys are nuts. Like, I just want to tell you that. As someone who's outside of your country, you're not healthy. Like, the 70, 80 hours a week that you put and you wear a badge of honor about it is not cool. Like, it doesn't mean you're a better country or better person. In fact, you're just going to slam yourselves in. And we're seeing it over and over again. Depressions, anxieties are on the rise. This nation will destroy itself because it feels like it has to make do. And that is part of your, the shadow side, as I keep saying, of the, the way the culture was formed, right? Because you were people that were pioneers, people that made things happen. You broke away from England, which is cool because I love this place. I love what you did. I'm not against it. I think it's awesome. We did not deserve to rule this nation whatsoever. God had a plan and a purpose. 
But that same drive that you have that had to make it happen is still in your culture. And you keep thinking that it's all on you and not on God. And if you don't learn to slow down and rest, we will never see this country transformed and changed. Because I believe this is the next move of God. To counter culture. We're doing it in the food industry. We're doing it in the health. But are you even doing it with the physical work that you do? Are you slowing down? Are you being intentional? Are you loving people well? Are you having that secret place? Ronald Reidhauser again called prayer relaxing into God's goodness. Is your prayer time relaxing into God's goodness? Or are you just bringing some requests? Are you just doing it out of habit? Are you relaxing into God's goodness? And so I just want to spend just a couple of minutes just wrapping up especially before the busyness that we are about to hit. There's many good things that we get to do, preparing food, spending time with family. But I want us to be quiet for a moment. And maybe that's going to be hard for you. I love this, that when we get quiet, John John Mark Comer says this, as we get quiet, we face things. We face the good, the bad, the ugly in our own hearts. Our worry, our depression, our hope, our desire for God, our lack of desire for God, our sense of God's presence, our sense of his absence, our fantasies, our realities, all the lies we believe, the truth we come home to, all this is exposed and painfully so, but it comes to the arms of the Father. So when we get quiet, you're going to have the hurry happen in your mind. You're going to have all the thoughts of the things that you've got to do. The reality that maybe you don't feel God in this season. The good, the bad, and the ugly about yourself. But can I tell you, it comes into the arms of a loving Father. He is so wanting to hold you. He's wanting to cry with you. He's wanting to rejoice with you. If you want to experience peace in yourself, it's not only the good thoughts about God that you've got to have. You've got to slow down. You've got to physically bring peace into your world. And so just as a moment as we slow ourselves down to even embrace this, I just want to read this well-known passage over you. And just with every eye closed... And it says this in Matthew eleven twenty eight: Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle, lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Father, right now, we're just going to go into a moment of rest. Even as I'm preaching, I see the tiredness in your eyes. 
see the overwhelmed sense of lack of peace that is being experienced even in our community. Lord, you see their hearts as well. You see how hurried they are. You see that they've just got so much stuff going on. But Lord, you are wooing us back into your secret place. That you're saying, come to me. Come to me all who labor and a heavy burden. Those burdens that you were never meant to carry, cast them onto me. Just come into the loving arms of the Father. And so right now, Holy Spirit, we just become quiet before you. Would you open our hearts to feel some of the pains that we feel? Open our hearts to some of the joys that we feel. Lord, we don't want to just meaninglessly just come into this moment, but Lord, we come with an intention to be loved by the Father. And so right now, I just pray, love of the Father, just come and pour out again. Rejuvenate your people. Bring them alive again to your presence. Let this start of the season be a momentum change for us. Lord, that we don't work out of our own works, but we work from a place of rest. So Lord, we just want to be still before you. Come minister to our hearts in Jesus' name.